Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week on Tia Time. We'll get to the show in just a moment. First, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have posted a rating on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast is an app that can be downloaded to your phone or computer. The algorithm it uses allows more artists and art enthusiasts like yourselves to hear about the show. So if you haven't posted a rating yet, do it now. Thank you. On with the show. Welcome to Tia Time with Artists, the weekly podcast where we discuss the methods, challenges, and real-life experiences of living our creative dreams. What kind of creative warrior are you? Musician? Filmmaker? Painter? Choreographer? Poet? Sculptor? Fashionista? Let's talk about it right now. I'm your host, Tia Imani Hanna. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week on Tia Time. We'll get to the show in just a moment. First, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have posted a rating on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast is an app that can be downloaded to your phone or computer. The algorithm it uses allows more artists and art enthusiasts like yourselves to hear about the show. So if you haven't posted a rating yet, do it now. Thank you. On with the show. This week on Tia Time with Artists, we have our spectacular guest, a jazz vocalist and educator, Shahida Narula. Thank you so much for coming to join us today on Tia Time. Thank you for asking me. I'm happy to be here. You're awesome to listen to. I got the tracks that you sent me, and I'm just sitting here grooving. You oh, know, well, thank you. Like silky smooth, as always. And I've been hearing you in Detroit area forever. Uh, now, you sing internationally as well, and you're teaching internationally. So tell me a little bit about your journey. What were, like, you grew up in Detroit, right? Yes, I grew up in New York and Detroit. Okay. So what was the impetus for you? Were, was your family all musicians? Were, was there a crazy uncle? Was there... You know? <laughs> no, I, I, I have always just loved music. My father sang. And my mother played the piano. My grandmother played the piano. But I just love music. So I knew that's that I decided when I was 13, that's what I was going to do. Very clearly, that was I knew there was nothing else for me to do. Well, that's really unusual because most people are like, just oh, I like it to make that decision. I listen to music all the time, mm-hmm. and I listen to all kinds of music all the time. So it was, it's just Kenny Cox once told me, I, I put this on, I posted this somewhere recently. Kenny Cox once told me. You didn't choose music, chose you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that's true. So I've just been obsessed with music all my life. If that's the, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but it's just, I've been totally entrenched in music all my life. I listen to music all the time, even as a child. Were you drawn more to singers? Were you drawn more to instrumentalists? Or Actually, it really didn't matter because some of my favorite albums were one of them was Ray Brown and the All-Star Big Band that featured Cannonball and Nat Adderley. Okay. And I was like maybe nine. I listened to that record all the time. The Emancipation of Hugh Masekela. Mm-hmm. I, I love that record. Cannonball Adderley and Nancy Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Bird is Free, Charlie Parker. Thelonious Monk. This is what I was listening to as a kid. Along with whatever else was out, Motown and R&B or whatever, whatever was out, James Brown. I mean, I liked everything. And then we, I, I like classical music, even as a kid. My first music memory, I was thinking about that one day, and I probably was, and believe it or not, I was either two or three, the William Tell Overture from the Lone Ranger, because yeah, that's what yeah. the theme to the Lone Ranger was. Mm-hmm. So that might have been 1959, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 1959, 1960. I, it probably was 59, because I remember that w- we were in the first house that we lived in, still here in Detroit, before we moved to New York. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. So you were in New York first and then to Detroit, or Detroit? To yeah, New- I was born here, then my family moved to New York. Okay. I started school in New York. I see. And then we moved back here. Much. Okay. Yeah. We moved back here. <laughs> I wanted to stay in New York. 
Yeah, but I because I love New York even as a child. Very different. It was very it was a culture shock coming back here. But because I love New York. But yeah, so Central Park West was where we lived. 89th and Central Park West. So I spent a great deal of my childhood in Central Park. Very and, nice. So singing as opposed to playing other instruments. Now, you said you decided when you were 13, that's what you were going to do. You were going to be a musician. You just said you were going to be a singer or you were just going to be a musician. Singers are musicians. No, I'm sorry. You're right. I meant, I, you're, you're right. And then I'm not discounting singers. And, and a lot of times people want to get that twisted. We are musicians. I meant instrumentalist. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. I meant instrumentalist. Uh, yeah. No, I wanted to sing. Okay. I went to Cass and I was a music major at Cass and my father bought me a piano. Oh, geez. Just before I started Cass and I, and I still have that piano. I'm sitting next to that piano. <laughs> so I knew I had to learn a little bit. About, I had to learn something about the piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, but though singing was what I wanted to do. Okay. All right. So did you like hang out in, in the, you were studying at Cass. Did you take choral classes? Were you in harp and vocal? I was in harp and vocal. I was a music major at Cass. So I was in harp and vocal. Okay. Yeah, I too. was in harp and vocal. Harp and vocal oh. sister. Okay. All right. Now, <laughs> were you there when Velma was there? I was there Fraub. when Patricia Terry Ross took yeah, over. Terry was there. See, yeah. I was there when Velma Fraub was there. Okay. You were the original crew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, she was something else. But yeah, and I know Pat. I love Pat. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 That's awesome. <laughs> if you're younger. You're younger than I am. So, yeah. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably a lot. Yeah. So that, that in and of itself is an experience because you learn a lot of technique and professionalism by being in harp and vocal. Um, the only harp and vocal ensemble in the country, I believe. I don't know, but that, that I wouldn't find that hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great too. And they're still there. They have a charter to always exist as long as cats exist. As so. well, they should. Yes. <laughs> I remember everybody loved harp and vocal. And when there were, when we did a concert in the school, Everybody came to the concert, mm-hmm. not just the music, not just the music students. A lot of the other students came as well because it was a great ensemble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was definitely, I remember moving harps and organs, wearing a formal, uh, a pastel formal. <laughs> Those pastel formals <laughs> and the lipstick. Yes. Wear the lipstick. Oh my <laughs> God. But yeah, the pastel formals. I think mine was green. Yeah, yeah, mine was a frosty green. Um, yeah. And I don't wear it. <laughs> I found, did you ever get, I don't know what you, an applique, a, a harp and vocal applique of no. a harp? You know what? I have one. I don't know where, I don't know who else has one of those. I, I've been meaning to try to ask a couple of people from, because I'm still in touch with some of the people that were in harp and vocal when I was there. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a white it's a harp mm-hmm. and it's outlined in green and it's got harp and vocal on it. Huh. I'm That'd trying to, to find. The, yeah. Yeah. I was assuming that maybe we all had them. No, I'm sure that we, I'm thinking well, I'm talking about when I was there, <clears throat> I'm thinking that we, maybe everybody got one, but I still have it. No, we didn't have any, anything like that when I was there. And I think that might've been maybe just your class did something for that group or something. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, but I know anyway, I it was have. an amazing experience to have. And yes, it was. It and was. you got to perform all over the city and everything too, right? Yeah, yeah. We went to the National Music Educators Convention in Milwaukee. Okay. The whole music department went, actually, in Cass. That's impressive. That was quite an experience too. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. And things change over the years. The funding disappears and the I don't know if you guys had boosters or anything like that at that time, like parental groups or anything. But I know we didn't. I I don't remember. I just remember the whole music department went maybe 1971 or 72. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Once you graduated Cass, what what happened next? As a singer, what did you do? How did you move well, into the <clears throat> I couldn't do 
I couldn't do very much at that time because I was taking care of my father. Okay. My father was very ill. And I actually, I had to quit in the 12 days. So I, I took care of my father and my younger brother. And my mother died when I was 13 and my father was very ill. So I, I took care of him the last years of his life mm-hmm. and, and helped raise my, well, raise my brother. And I started singing for a living when I was 20. Okay. He died when I was 19, and my father died when I was 19. A few months, maybe several months after that, I got a job purely by chance at the salt mine downtown. Mm. And uh, Ran into a friend of mine. He took me to lunch there. I don't remember who knew the guys that were playing, because, yeah, there was music in there at lunchtime. And a piano player by the name of Eddie Abrams and Mike Lane was playing flute. And Eddie Abrams was playing piano. And somehow I ended up singing and the owner of the club was there and he hired me that day. Mm. So that was, so that was it. That was the beginning. That's great. For a living. And the fact that, that they paid you a living wage was, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it was a living wage. Yeah, it was commensurate with the time that we were living in. Yeah, and uh, I've worked also, but I worked during the day. But okay. I also worked. I, I, I never stopped. I sang at night. So yeah, so it, it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. Got a lot of experience at that time. I worked in. There was just volumes and volumes of music to learn and. Just because there were all kinds of things that were that we were doing, we were doing jazz, we were doing pop. So it depended on. Once I left the salt mine, I started working with a guitar player, and so we just had to learn whatever was out at the time in all the markets: the the pop tunes, the uh, show, the movie themes, because people were they were playing. The radio was great back then, mm-hmm. and uh, so you had to. Learn what was being played on the radio, pop, some R&B, jazz, and whatever the popular musicals were at that time. We had to learn those songs, too. And so it was a lot of, I learned a lot of material at that time. I just it got used to having to learn a lot of things. So what was like your day would look like then? You, you'd go, you worked at a day job, and then when did you have time to learn all these tunes? Make time. You had to learn the songs. (laughs) You had to learn the songs. We played and people danced. We had a really good setup and and we danced and we did the music. People danced. And so you just had to learn. You had to learn. You had to learn whatever was out. Mm -hmm. Where did you get the charts from? Did you just do I went to the music store. There were music stores then. And uh, Thomas Music. Oh, I think it was Thomas Music used to be on Woodward and I don't know. I can't remember 10 or 11 mile. I don't remember, but I know it was like in Ferndale or Royal Oak. I don't remember, recall. And you'd go there. I still have that sheet music. Mm-hmm. I, I have all kinds of sheet music that I bought from there. And then I can't remember. Somebody moved to Royal Oak on Main Street. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, it might have been Royal Music. Okay. And so I think Thomas closed Royal Music. And you just went and bought the sheet music, bought books and sheet music and Learn the songs. Some we didn't do all of them. I still had them, and so I've, I've done everything from "Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue" to "Satin Doll." Sure, <laughs> it, that's just the way it was. So, did you make up help make up the arrangements, or did the your people that worked with you, the instrumentalists, make up arrangements? How did you know? No, we just did the music like like it was in straight the sheet across. Thing. Okay. Straight across on the sheet music, and mm-hmm. that's how we did it. When I was working with him, now when I worked with bands, it may there may have been some intros that were you know designed for the song or whatever. But for a long time, I just worked with a guitar player, mm-hmm. and uh, then after that, you know, with various bands. And after you, I lost you again, sound wise. And after that, that, what? Various bands, whoever whoever would call or whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. So I worked from three to five nights a week for years. Okay. So we were just used to working. And things have changed a lot since then. Cause I don't think you can do oh, yeah. gigs like that now. No, no, 
The Dirty Dog is the only place that has a multiple day gig like that. That's that working at the Dirty Dog when I was working there was the first time I had worked that many days in in one place in maybe 20 years. Mm -hmm. I've been a roaming Juliet. My Romeos have been many. But now my roaming days are gone Too many irons in the fire Is worse than not having any I've had my share And from now on I'm putting all my eggs in one basket I'm betting everything I've got on you Lord help me if my baby don't come through I've got a great big amount Saved up in my love account Honey and I've decided Love divided in two Won't do Cause I'm putting all my eggs in one basket I'm betting everything I've got on you So what, you started teaching at some point. Now, where did that come from? My dear friend, the late Tad Weed, was working at the University of Windsor. And he called me one day and he said, and he said they need you here. And I said, what are you talking about? They need me, need me where? And so he said, here at the school, he said, I don't know what to do with these girls that want to sing. They need you here. So he told me somebody was going to be calling me and they called and I did. An interview, and that was that. I started working there. Mm-hmm. So, I and I really enjoy that. I really, I never thought about doing anything like that, but I do love doing it. I love working with the with young people. It's very different now from when we were coming around. But as far as the music and the level of exposure to music, because they can't they don't hear the music the same way that we did. And they certainly don't hear the live music like we did. When I was younger, I would go out and sometimes I wouldn't get back till the next afternoon. (laughs) 
I, I go to Watts and see who was at Watts. And then next door was Jazz West, which started at two, mm-hmm. from two, two to six in the morning. And then you go have breakfast somewhere. And then it's noon before you get home, noon the next day. <laughs> wow. When you get home. So I mean, I did that a lot. So there were, so I got to see just scores of people. And I'm very grateful for that because if I hadn't done it that time, if I hadn't started going and hearing music when I was really young, I would have missed the end of live music in this well period as, as we knew it then. Getting to hear Sonny Stitt, just McCoy Tyner, George Benson, Woody Shaw, Brown, Joe Pass, Carter, Eddie Jefferson, Johnny Hartman, just so many people. Milt Jackson, Roy Ayers, I'm thinking of the vibe players now, Bobby Hutcherson. Sure. So getting to hear those people live. So Roland Hanna, I remember sitting with, with Sir Roland Hanna at the bar at Baker's, and he yeah. was so sweet. He was so sweet. After yeah. the gig, we were sitting at the bar, and we were just talking, and we talked for about an hour. And after a while, they said, you got you to gotta go. <laughs> it was way past the closing time. You sure. Know? And just he was so beautiful. We just sat there and talked to him. I just sat there and talked to him for all that time. And I actually still have the phone, but he wrote his phone number and his address in my phone book. And I still have that phone. Oh, that's awesome. But he was really, he was really sweet. I would talk to anybody that would talk to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was a great, Johnny Hartman was a sweet guy. I, I talked to him after hearing him perform at Dummy George. Okay. I remember that place. So we had Dummy George and Baker's and, the Blue Chip Lounge. The Blue Chip Lounge was on Six Mile and I think near Myers or something. And Perry uh, Hughes played there a lot and a bunch of other people. And But the but the national people came into Watts usually and Bakers and Dummy George. Mm-hmm. So I, I probably forgot another one, but those were the three places. Farrell Saunders came here all the time. Wow. Just, just so many people. Yeah, because I think now it's the Dirty Dog. It's uh, the casinos. I guess some of the people come through there. And I don't know where else. Maybe Bake, maybe uh, Burt's. As far as national people? No, not so much. One, I have to say this. I love Bill Foster, mm-hmm. who ran the Serengeti Ballroom. Because he was, that was the last place that a lot of people came to in, in Detroit. Because you had the Bird of Paradise, Ron Brooks, and the Bird of Paradise in, in Ann Arbor. Yeah. They were equally as important. He was equally as important because they were the last people to have a regular group of national people come in here. So I saw, I never thought I'd get to see Mickey Roker. I saw at the Serengeti, I saw... Milt Jackson, Mickey Roker, Mike Ladon, and Bob Cranshaw at the Serengeti. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I said, wow, that's Mickey Roker. That's Milt Jackson. I'd seen Milt Jackson before, but that was a hell of a group. Sure. Joe Locke had that, that band assembled as a Milt Jackson tribute. He was touring with that rhythm section some years ago i don't know if he's still doing it but so i got to see them with joe playing with them as well but that was the last rhythm section that i saw with with mill jackson and uh, i just went out to hear i went out and heard everybody that i could i got to hear oscar peterson ray brown and joe pass twice Mm -hmm. so hearing going out and hearing the instrumentalist was as important to me is was as enjoyable and as important to me as it was hearing the singers and, you know, it still is. Well, did any singers in particular really imprint on you more than others? Oh, Sarah Vaughn was my favorite singer. Okay. Sarah Vaughn. And, and I'll tell you, Tony Bennett is my, was my favorite male singer. Okay. Now, that's not to say that I don't love, I love Billy Eckstein. I love a lot of people, but there's something that I don't know. Just Sarah Vaughn, Tony Bennett, and then scads of other people. Mm-hmm. Billy Eckstein, Terry Collier. I love Terry Collier. Okay. I don't know Terry Collier. I have to look into Terry Collier. Oh my, you don't know Terry Collier? I don't. Ordinary Joe. 
Okay. What color is love? I'd rather be with you. Oh. (laughs) See, now I have a new person to learn. That's great. Oh, man. Terry Collier had almost a cult following. Everybody loved him and very interested because he sang and then he stopped singing for a long period of time to raise his daughter. And then he came back and just didn't miss anything. People were happy he was back and loved, loved him being back. And I was, and, and so he was here all the time at Dummy George. And for some reason, I never got to see him when he was at Dummy George. So the first time I saw him in person was at the DIA mm. in the recital hall. Okay. And, uh, but, and it was of course sold out and I've heard subsequently, I heard him several times after that because he started coming back here regularly because he had it great following here. Yeah, but Terry Call, you got to check, check, check Terry Call you out. I will. He, he I sang will. and he played. You see, but there, I love Carmen McRae, Ella Fitzgerald. There are just so many. What about some um, of the uh, newer folks? I mean, not newer folks, like Mark Murphy was on that list, I'm sure. Not so much. <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen Mark Murphy. And Mark, Mark Murphy I, when you say newer folks, what we, we, we well, mean, newer folks like, like um, the guy that wears a hat all the time, Gregory Porter. I love Gregory Porter. Yeah, Gregory uh, Porter's voice is absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. and he's a really nice guy too. There's a great concert uh, that I happened upon on cable one day, and it's Gregory Porter live at the Metropole mm-hmm. in Denmark. I think it's anyway, the Metropole, M-E-T-R-O-P-O-L-E, mm-hmm. orchestra, the Met, and I've read up on the Metropole Orchestra, and their famous orchestra is played behind a lot of different people that have played a lot of different, and it's just such a beautiful concert. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Are you hip to Miles Griffith? I am. Yeah, and because I really like Miles. He's a sweetheart. I tell you too. who I've heard heard recently, Samara Joy. Mm-hmm. That girl's got some. Oh my god! Yeah, Samara Joy. Have you heard her? I have not. Okay, Samara Joy. So I've got uh, some new people to add to Don't, my list. Do you know Surreal Ma? No. Okay, I've. I've oh yes, I do. I just never heard her name pronounced that way. I do. I got to see her in Chicago. It was during the Gypsy Jazz Festival a few years ago. Really fun. Yeah, I have one of her albums. Everybody pronounces her name differently. So I was like, wait, who is that? Yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do, how, 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 do you hear, how do you hear other people pronounce her name? So some people say it's a real Amy or I just, it's just every time I've heard it, it's been different. So I have to think about it and go, oh, wait, that's what that name is. So yeah, I, I guess I I try to I have got a thing about languages and so really ma because it's French it's French and we don't speak, I don't speak French so that's that's partly why so I have to listen to other people say it and know what to say <laughs> no she's great but, yeah, yeah and of course I love Diane Reeves mm-hmm. I like Karen Allison mm-hmm. she's done some really interesting. Some really nice things. Yeah, they're they're people, but Gregory, Harvey Thompson, Harvey Thompson's got a beautiful voice. Okay, I love Harvey's from Detroit. No, I don't know Harvey. Harvey. Okay, so now I will. Harvey, Harvey Thompson's got a beautiful voice, and I love him as well. There's a warm red ecstasy to love That makes you tremble with its fire And there's a pure white majesty to love When you have both, you have your heart's desire Warm as 
as the ruby Can love be as pure as the Just look in the heart of my love for you You'll find the ruby and the pearl My love will endure as the diamond
when you're teaching your your students over in Windsor, so what you have the freshmen, do you have the the, all, the seniors, the, everybody, or just... I have every, I have everybody. Mm-hmm. So what are they coming in with usually? What do they listen to? It varies. Some of them have some knowledge of this music, and then some of them you just have to teach them about it. I am, and I, I go on, I, I talk about this all the time. So much of the music now is sad. Hmm. I, I don't understand the sad thing. I don't understand the obsession with being sad. And a lot of it is artificial. I don't drum machines. I don't like synthesizers or electronic things is the only instrument on something. So it's all, it, it, it all sounds artificial to me mm-hmm. you know, because I came up hearing real instruments and hearing music that was arranged and just really nicely done, greatly done. And they're always trying to find something that I like. Every now and again, they do find something that, that I like, but it's just sad. So many people are sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we were not sad. <laughs> we were, we, the, and, and music is supposed to, I tried to get them, I don't know if you caught the Preservation Hall Jazz Band on CBS this morning with Ted Koppel a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And so he was, inter- he interviewed Charlie Gabriel, who we claim also he's from Charlie's from New Orleans, but he lived here for decades. Charlie Gabriel's fantastic clarinetist and um, it was well, reed player, but it may, may, I think his main instrument is probably maybe clarinet. I don't know. It might be alto. I don't know. But anyway, I know he's a fabulous musician. He plays the Preservation Hall Band. I do. Okay. So he plays with the Preservation Hall Band. So Ben Jaffe, who was the tuba player and bass uh, bass player with the Preservation Hall band and also his family owns Preservation Hall were interviewed by Ted Koppel on CBS this morning and one of the things that Mr. Koppel asked Charlie I remember being towards the end of the interview was about how they were dealing with what was going on in this time the time of the pandemic and people struggling and how I can't remember what the question was, but it was the gist of it was how does music impact that? And he said, music is supposed to uplift you. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I've always felt. So I, I tell the students, I said, music is supposed to uplift you and make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, <laughs> weigh you down <laughs> about suicide and right. all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, what is that about? If, but anyway, that's just me. Like I say, nobody died, made me queen. But it is the music is what we take in. We are what we take in. So if you're just taking in a bunch of sad stuff, then, you know, it, it begins to affect you that way. Sure. It affects your psyche that way. I, so I'm constantly playing music for, for them from when we grew up and they get it. Then after they hear it, they said, oh, yeah, we see what you mean. It was like, yeah. So create some music that's not like this. I said, if somebody's got problems, emotional or mental health problems, a sad song is not going to help. Not what you need to be listening to. (laughs) Come on, people. It's not rocket science. (laughs) So just music is supposed to make you feel good. Like I said, I have loved music all my life. When we lived in New York, I fell in love with salsa because I lived in New York close to the um, inception of of salsa, Mm -hmm. the beginning of salsa. Salsa started in New York. True that. So I was hearing... Yeah, so I was hearing that music then too. And I would listen to that music of my own volition. I had my own little radio. You know, I'd listen to what I wanted to listen to, even as a child. I just, I go on these rants about the music. I like good music, positive music, real instruments. I hate drum machines. Mm-hmm. I hate them. And as soon as I hear a drum machine, I don't even want to hear the rest of the song. Mm-hmm. I hate drum machines. And, and so I'm not saying that's right. I'm That's just me. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I understand that. I do. It changes everything. There's nothing in the world that is going to take the place of real instruments. True. 
Now, you can use things as embellishments. You can use them to do different things. Synthesizers, electric keyboards, Stevie Wonder, George Duke, Herbie Hancock. They all used them and it was great, but they still played the piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it uh, just wasn't looped. It was something that was being played. So, yeah. Yeah. Makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm for the real instruments and good music. So you told me once before that you take your students on field trips. So you take them to hear stuff that they just don't seem to have any um, connection to when you take them to see live things. and Well, hearing live music and experiencing live music is very important. It's part of, part. it should be part of your musical experience and education. There are things that happen on the bandstand that you can't see on a recording. Mm-hmm. There are things that happen on the bandstand. And I remember making that point one day and then we went to see someone and what I said that day just a couple of days later, we went to see this group and what I was talking about happened. And they all turned around and looked at me. They said, gosh, we see what you're talking about. You need to see and hear music live. And uh, there's no, nobody, there's the music, that music is not available where they are. So I have to bring them over here. You know? now, is and, there any live music on campus there? Like, do they perform? Just through the university, uh, there, 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 there are some, there are a couple of places in Windsor where the where the kids play the Fog Lounge, um, and I can't think of the name of the other. There are a few places where they can play, and but there are no clubs there like you would go to. Whack. There's no. There's nothing like Burt's or Cliff Bell's there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. It seems like they've just started on a, a on campus club. That's know. what they've done in those I see. places. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. The Fog Lounge is probably the most popular place. And that's what they've done. They started playing there. Now, how do you guys do cross-pollination stuff between departments? Like instrumentalists and vocalists, do you guys get the classes together to work on projects or anything? Oh, yeah. The instrumentalists, the instrumental students play for the vocalists. That's combo. Yeah, so they play. They're the ones that play for the vocalists. Now, are any of these kids saying they want to do this for a living or are they just doing it because it's a way to go through school? Some of, them, some of them want to do it for a living and some of them are doing it for the experience. Okay. I would say that a small percentage of them might want to end up doing it for a living. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them are going into it for education and a lot of them want to teach music. I see. And having... You know,
alegria e guarda dentro fresca de trás na varanda eu vejo meu amor tem bênção de Deus todo aquele que trabalha no escritório bendito é o fruto bendito é I, there's some recent pop music that's been okay, but <sighs> frustrating. I, I am just really just so disenchanted with what's out there. At least what I'm hearing. What what I tell them is we got everything from the radio. I say everybody heard everything everywhere, and you had choices. You have those choices now. I've found things purely by accident because they're not playing them on the radio. And so a lot of people spend time online looking for music. I said, well, I don't know that I'm going to do that. So I, it's catch as catch can with me as far as the popular, the pop music that's out now. And then, like I said, a lot of what I hear is just sad. The words are sad. I'm like, I don't want to hear a bunch of sad songs. Right. Sad or angry. Sad or angry, I said, come on, people. There's something's going on out there that's not always sad or angry. True. We we were going through things during the time when I was young. That was not, and there were political things that were reflected in the music. Mm-hmm. But certainly we were still uplifted by music. It wasn't sad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. all sad. You right. Know? So I don't know when or how that shift happened. I'm pushing against that. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm like, come on now, write something that's not sad. Mm-hmm. Do you write any music by the chance? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. There, there are still many songs that I want to learn, and I just don't think that I'm that great a poet. I, I, I have a, a great appreciation for, for poetry, but I put my own. So many beautiful songs. So many songs, so little time. That's my motto. <laughs> So many songs, so little time. There's still songs that I, and my students, it's been interesting. They've been finding stuff that, that's really hip. If you ever change your mind and something that Ella did, and what was that other one? I don't have my memory. I have memory issues. I don't have that written down now, but they found some really slick little songs. I said, okay. And I don't know how they found them. I guess they, they went online and they just pushed Ella and listened to a bunch of stuff. And they found these songs that they like. And they're really nice songs. So in addition to the ones, the other ones that I always want to learn, they're giving me, they're finding new things. Sure, sure. So that's good. And it's important to me that they enjoy what we're doing. So they do select some of their material. Mm -hmm. Do you have any writers in your students, in your student group? Do you have any writers? No, not that I know about. Oh, I did one. She's since graduated, though. She graduated a few years ago. Yeah, one, one. Yeah, so well, that's uh, good. So well, no, I, no, I take that back. No, two. I take that back. Madeline. No, I, you know what? I'm glad you asked me that. Alicia, Madeline, and Lizette. Those are the three that I can think of right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm talking about, no, I guess Madeline was writing the music also. But anyway, yeah. So I, I take that back. Yes, I do. That's good. Yes, I do. And they've had exposure to you and your library and your experience. So now they're not just thinking about sad songs. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, 
I, I, I got a, a, a new one and she said, yeah, I already heard you don't like the sad songs. But I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of the sad songs. I, I had to do, I was a judge on a recital and 80% of the songs were just sad. And I just wanted to cry myself after listening to them. That's awful. Now, I'm not talking about a recital at our school. Let me get mm-hmm. that. That's it. But just, I'm like, why do, why are they obsessed with these sad songs? In some cases, it's a reflection on maybe what's going on in their lives, but they just chose the, well, they chose, and they chose what they've been listening to. I've spoken to a lot of younger, some students that I've had that were younger than me. They were adults, but they were younger. And there's this thing about, isn't that just cheesy? If it's happy, it's cheesy. Oh, one of my students said that the (laughs) other day. I said, I'm going to say that cheesy, in my opinion, has a negative connotation. Is it cheesy because it's happy? Really and truly? You're going to dog something because it's happy? But that's the mindset, unfortunately. Of... And I, I don't know what to do to turn that around. All I can do is keep doing I doing I'm what I'm doing and playing stuff for them. And they're like, wow, that was really beautiful. That made me feel good. It made that, you feel good. Yeah. That's what's supposed to happen. I went to I was asked to speak at CAS. I don't even remember when this was, eight, ten years ago. And so I asked the I asked the student body that I was speaking to. If they could name one song that made them feel happy. Mm-hmm. And they just sat there. Yep. And it broke my heart. And I said, and so one one kid, I think I have one. So he I said, tell me what some of the words are. And so he started reciting the words. I said, okay, stop. I said, I didn't say that wasn't negative. I said something that made you feel happy. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have one song. Yeah, sad. And I could tell by the way that they looked at me, the, 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 the expressions were, they hadn't even thought of music in that context. Mm-hmm. And so I played some things for them afterwards that we were listening to when I went to CAS. And one girl turned around and looked at me and she said, wow, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. That hurt me. Mm-hmm. That, that hurt me. Mm-hmm. So it's not just over there, it's over here too. Sure. It's just across the board. Now, who is this? Oh, and then a few years later, a couple of years later, that song by Pharrell came out. Uh huh. And I wondered how many of them thought about me asking that question that day. Because it was some time after that. Mm-hmm. So that'll give you an idea of how long ago this was. And so I listened to that song. I was like, what is that song? Now, let me tell you how I found that song. Mm-hmm. on the Toyota commercial. Really? I had never heard that song. Mm-hmm. Where was I going to hear it? Where do you hear it? On a commercial. Where do you hear it? I heard it on a commercial and it was so, I said, let me, so I Googled, what is the music on the Toyota commercial? Mm-hmm. And that's how I found that song. <laughs> now, in my time, we'd have heard it on the radio. The funny thing about it, that particular song, I had a similar experience. It was in Despicable Me, and I was watching the movie. I loved Gru was dancing to it. Yeah. And that and, but it. but before it hit, that movie was out, and that song hadn't hit the radio. It wasn't on the radio. And I said, Why is this song? And I remember saying, Why is, is it this on song the radio? Was it ever on the radio? It was, yes. But after what? after when? that. What stations? It was everywhere. It was everywhere. It really was. But it happened after the way after the movie hit. Because I remember okay. thinking, why is it this song is not a hit? It was in the movie. And I was like, that's a great song. Why have I not heard that song? And it hadn't hit. And then it finally hit. And then everybody had it. And there was videos everywhere. And everybody was dancing to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it took yeah. a while. And I was like, why is this song not everywhere? It was a great song. But it was at least a year after I saw that movie. Yeah. And I guess because the, the, the stuff that I hear on the radio is so awful, I just don't listen to the radio as yeah. much anymore. 
Yeah. So I missed that on the radio. But it was the Toy Hilda commercial. Mm-hmm. And then I think I saw him on something and he did it. But that's what I'm talking about. So I was like, yes, make you feel good. Make you want to dance. Make you feel good. There's that. I remember, again, even in the 80s, it was like there was a song and it was um, Walking on Sunshine. Walking and it on was sunshine. super happy. Yeah. And yeah. danceable. It was a great song. It played everywhere, but people just thought it was cheesy. I'm like, why is this cheesy? It's a great why, song. Yeah. It's a um, great song. What's that? The, the, there's a song by a group, I can't, Sixpence, none the richer called Kiss Me. And mm-hmm. I don't know, because I never, the, whatever I was listening to, they never said what it was. So I was just walking around the school. I said, look, there's a song, then the girl is saying, kiss me a lot in the song. I said, what's the name of the song? And so finally somebody said, kiss me. I said, really? <laughs> I said, by who? And and then they told me and then I, I went and found it. And it, it's a happy little song. It's mm-hmm. a cute little song. The Game of Love, Michelle mm-hmm. Brandt and Santana. That's That was a great song. I was so happy. I heard that on WDET. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what program it was, but I think I heard it on DET. And, uh, but I guess I, if I have to wade through like a, a, a whole bunch of sad stuff and artificial stuff. I'm just not going to hear it on the radio either. Mm-hmm. Because if they played happy on the radio, I, I missed it. Cause oh, I they, just... they definitely did, but it wasn't an immediate hit. And I was really surprised. Like what and he, I think he finally released a video of him dancing to it. And that's when it took off. Oh, his video was great. That video, that official, that, that, mm-hmm. that video. But that was after that other movie had already been out. Cause I remember looking at the, I remember looking at the year the movie came out and I said, why isn't this song hit? <laughs> you know, yeah. you should be here. Well, when it did, it went all over the world. Yes. It was everywhere. It the world. But there is hope. I always feel like there's hope. I'm hoping that that the sad thing will turn around and people will start putting out. I, I, I just want to hear some real instruments. Yeah. <laughs> it's happening. There are a lot of groups out there that are playing real instruments. I want to hear some real instruments. And some of them are using real instruments, but a lot of them aren't. I want to hear real instruments and I want to hear something uplifting. Mm-hmm. You know? And and of course, they're, they're, there's a lot going on out here. So the last thing we need is a sad song with all that's the stuff true. that's going on. Out that's true. So, so can we just try to make people feel better? But that's just my opinion. Again, you know, by that made me queen. That's well, just my opinion. I agree with you. I think it, it should be more about uplifting and stuff. So I get it. Is we just have to raise that vibration as musicians. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. One of the things that, that I enjoy is that people tell me after a performance, they say, you look like you're really having fun and you're enjoying it. I said, yeah, I am. And I said, thank you for telling me that. I'm glad that's coming across. Yep, yeah, music is just... Everything now, the, the, I love music. I think music is still got a great future and it's moving along. I just, for the young people, I just want to hear something a little better for them. And so, and when I say that, I'm talking about the pop, the pop and the R&B markets. Jazz is always going to be okay. Jazz is out there and it's, that's going to be okay. But what the young kids are listening to, as far as, like I said, pop and R&B, some of that's really concerning. Any last words to the youth coming up is no sad songs. <laughs> well, I'm not saying no sad songs, but not mostly sad songs. You okay. know, just do something uplifting. Mm-hmm. We need that now. We need that now more than anything. I don't, I'm just thinking, you asked me about what they were exposed to and, and what they heard. And one of the things that I do is I have them listen to these. I, I compiled a set of about nine different recordings of various people. And I have them listen to them. Okay. And I said, I don't necessarily expect you to like everything, but I do want you to hear it. Because this is broadening what you are exposed to. And so what I have them do is let me know what it what they liked, who they liked, if they liked the song, if they liked the person, if they liked both. 
because it gives me an idea of where their tastes lie in mm-hmm. music, so it's easier to select things. And and then sometimes they want to do some of the th- songs that they hear. So it's a compilation of about 168, I think it's 168 songs. Mm-hmm. And it's various vocalists and, and groups. Okay. So I have Take Six on there, Manhattan Transfer, Lambert Hendrix and Ross, and the Pointer Sisters. The Pointer Sisters uh, recording a cloudburst is just ridiculous. Okay. And, and and I can't think of the other groups that are on there. But anyway, I want them to hear this music and I want to know what they think about it. Now, most of those are jazz artists. Okay. But I'm not just dealing with jazz. I'm dealing with some pop, too. But most of those people on there are, are jazz artists. And I just think it's important to them, for them to hear them. And then I also have them listen to instrumentalists. Mm-hmm. Every week I said, listen, there's a list of people. I said, listen to one or two of these people and tell me what you listened to, what the name of the song was. And because it's equally as important for them to hear instrumentalists as it is to hear singers. And so, you know, that, that I think that's important. That's something that I would like to put forward. And then I just, a lot of times I play things for them and then they get to hear some of what, like I said before, what I listen to and why I feel the way that I do about what they're listening to. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to whatever you want to, why I feel the way that I do about what they're listening to. So I don't want to just say, I don't like this and just for no reason, I want you to understand where I'm coming from and what my frame of reference has been for music. Mm-hmm. There's just so, there's so many kinds of, there's so much music. True. Some of the field trips that I've done, we've gone and heard, we've gone to flamenco re- performances. I once took them to see Yusu Endor up at Hill Auditorium. It, it it doesn't matter whether it's jazz. It doesn't have to be jazz. It just has to be music. And there's just so much music. So I, I just try to get them to listen to as many different kinds of music as possible. And I, I think that's important. Yeah, I think that's, you're right on that. That's majorly important. Like I said, I love what I'm doing. I love them. I love what I'm doing. And it's great. And sharing, sharing music has always been very important to me. So that's what this is about, sharing the music. It is true. It is true. I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show today and spending some time with us and talking about music and the direction that's going and just the experience of being a musician at this time. So thank you so much, Aida. Thank you for, for having me. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artists. Make sure to visit our website at tiaviolin.com where you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts to expand the reach of the show. We really appreciate that help. And we'd also like to say thank you so very much to our sponsors, Michigan ArtShare, a program of Michigan State University Extension, and Cold Plunge Records. And also all of our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. We'll see you next week at Tea Time. Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artist. Make sure to visit our website at tiaviolin.com where you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts to expand the reach of the show. We really appreciate that help. And we'd also like to say thank you so very much to our sponsors, Michigan ArtShare, a program of Michigan State University Extension, and Cold Plunge Records. And also all of our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. We'll see you next week at Tea Time.